Our text today is one of those desert texts. And we thank Kate for bringing the gospel proclamation to us today from uh, all the way across the country. Thank you for being with us. We start with an interactive question. This is nothing more than an opportunity that I believe people ought to know who they're worshiping next to. So <clears throat> the question that you need to pair up with somebody and chat for a little bit, and then worship will fold out from there. Uh, Sean, just so you know, that's Colleen. She's a fabulous conversationalist. There's your pair. The question is, if people knew this about me, they would know why I operate the way I operate. If people knew this about me, they would know why I operate the way I operate. My answer very quickly is I love to host social events. I love to host parties for a specific reason, that it allows people an entree to social engagement, lots of vibrant conversation. So that when somebody says, I'd like to meet with you or have further conversation with you, there's been an opportunity initially at a social function to establish that relationship. So if people knew this about me, they would know these things about me. Chat. I don't know where your heart is today, but I suspect many of us are still reeling from the tragedy in Charleston. And one wonders how one can possibly respond. Well, of course, working against the systems that continue racism, that should be a slam dunk for us, yes, but it's hard work. Or looking at our own lives of how we contribute to this, yes. But we also want to say a word to that community. And so the community of Cal Lutheran has, we have a little letter, hardly says anything at all, Mostly, our hearts go out to you. And so today is our last day to sign that, and we, uh, you're part of our Cal Lutheran community today as well. So these will be in the, in the narthex, and we welcome you to uh, sign it if you might like. Then let us stand as we worship together. Come, let us worship in the name of God. God of Sarah and Abraham. The God of Isaac and Rebecca. The God of Jacob. Come at the invitation of our God, the God whose call echoes across ages, resounding in time and space, yet intimate, engaging.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord God, you created a world of beauty and majesty, entrusting it to the keeping of your people. Grace us with your presence. Lead us to your truth and bring us to perfection of faith, hope, and love. Amen. Amen. Encountering the presence of God is always inspiring, yet it calls us forth. So it is that we share a sign of peace with each other, those near and around this room. The peace of God be with you all. Let us share that peace far and wide. A reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why this bush is not burned up. When the Lord Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was too afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on the account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites have now come to me. I have seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be your sign for you that It is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors have sent me, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God says to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelite, I am has sent me to you. God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is the title for all generations. Here ends the reading. 
Will you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. Amen. I did my divinity school training at Harvard Divinity School, and when I was there, Christer Stendhal, a kind of giant in the Lutheran world in both progressive activism and ecumenism, and um, he had a mind that was brilliant even when I knew him. He was approaching retirement. He was a very tall and narrow man, and he had had several spinal fusions as well. And the first time I preached at University Lutheran, probably my first preaching gig of all time, uh, I w when I was finished, he stood up, um, came back to me, and he leaned over like this because that, because of his spinal fusion, that's what he had to do. And he was tall, so he had to lean very far over. And he whispered to me, you have many wise and wonderful things to say. What you'll realize when you're a parish pastor is you don't have to say them all at one time. <laughs> And so here I am in the middle of this diverse community, some people who have been here since Sunday, some people who are worshiping at Cal Lutheran. We have, we have the theme of the desert happening. We also um, are listening to Cynthia Molabita. Um, our, our community is listening to Cynthia Molabita talk about structural violence and structural sin. We are well aware of the pain that racism is, is that we are bearing as a country as this wound is just gaping in our world. Um, and so I have been calling on Christer, particularly in the last 24 hours, to not try to do everything all at once, right? And as I reflected before and then over the last 24 hours um, about what it is that might unify this, this group, this particular group of people, because we are a particular group of people in this particular place, at this particular time, I, I kept thinking about, I just kept feeling parched. Uh, many of us are, I would guess, experiencing some kind of drought. This place, of course, is in the midst of an actual shortage of water. Some of us might be experiencing a kind of dryness in our vocational lives or our spiritual lives because that happens too. Some of us might be experiencing a very important or intimate relationship feeling flat, parched, dry. And when we think of Ferguson and Staten Island and Baltimore and McKinney and Charleston and now a church burning, a black church burning yesterday in Charlotte, I don't know if you've heard about this, what can we do but thirst for justice? And in that thirsting, acknowledge how parched our world is. Whether it's the land or the community or our spirits, God knows we are people who have a tendency to dry up, to burn out, and to assume that when we are in this place, our cause is hopeless. When we meet Moses today in Midian, where he was exiled, he has somehow crafted a very ordinary life with in-laws and shepherding responsibilities that seem to be keeping him plenty busy, as ordinary lives will do. And in the midst of this ordinary life, Moses is drawn to a mountain and encounters something fierce in the desert, this burning bush that will not 
be consumed. But before we wander too far with Moses, I want to wonder with you about where the burning bushes are in your life. How many of us feel ourselves on fire for justice, for a vocational or an intellectual pursuit for a particular person or a particular place? Where is that fire in you? Remember the disciples walking on the road to Emmaus saying, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked to us on the road? This fire, this burning need, this passion is a marker of being human. It's a marker of being alive. It can cause tremendous heat, and we know that heat is powerful and it can burn. It can parch. The same desire, the same fire that gives way to deep and meaningful work in this world, world-altering, world-transforming work, the same desire that creates magnificent beauty can also be the fire that consumes. And so, brothers and sisters, today we must respect that passion and we must steward it well. I'm going to ask again, what is your burning bush today? What is that passion that you carry in you that burns fiercely? And if you are burned out, parched, lacking passion, lacking vision, lacking hope, what is it that might rise from the ashes? When left fallow after the fire, what seeds might sprout in surprising ways? Whether you've just noticed, started to notice this fire kindling in the brush, this inkling of passion gaining heat, or whether you feel honestly as if your fiery days are behind you, I want you to notice this next exchange between Moses and God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look. The Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, and God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses turns aside. He looks away from that fire, and God meets him there. God reveals God's self just as Moses takes a break from staring at that fire, just as it's starting to get too hot. We have to tend these God-given fiery places in ourselves carefully to guard against burning out too quickly. But also, we have to tend these places because with passion and with fire comes a little bit of heat, and that heat is a good thing. In this age of compulsive busyness, on the one hand, oh, we like to make ourselves busy with all kinds of things. And the cultural insistence on self-care and not burning out. 
I feel like we use those as an antidote to our compulsive need to be busy, and I just have to believe that we have better resources within our tradition to keep our fires burning, to not have to burn out. Lament, right? Sabbath, rootedness, community, spiritual practices. We have these resources within our tradition without feeling like we have to sit although I sometimes do, and binge on Orange is the New Black, <laughs> House of Cards, whatever it is. There's, there's ways that we can pay attention to what God is doing in this world to keep those fires alive. And this, brothers and sisters, is the rest of the good news because even when you feel burned out, even when you feel parched, even when you have not stewarded that God-given fire well, it is not the end of the story. When we stare into that fire, we meet God, yes, and when we turn aside, God also meets us there. When we look away from that source of our passion that is consuming us, we are able to notice also the beauty and the pain and all sorts of things that are outside of ourselves and our experience. And there we meet God. We make connections with others who are burning, and there we meet God. God begs we look aside from those things that threaten to consume us. But, brothers and sisters, God begs that we don't stop there. God begs that we get up and we begin again, that burnout is not the end of our story. In baptism, we experience a daily dying and rising. Each day we are made new and sent to participate with God in the renewing of the world. You are, we are, the only hands and the only feet and the only beating hearts and fiery flames that God has. We don't have the luxury of letting our fires burn out. And so whether it's dramatically restricting your water usage here in California, bailing buckets of water from your neighbors' houses in Texas, whether it's marching in Ferguson or Baltimore or insisting that this church not turn its head from the big gaping wound that is racism in this country, God needs us in the game, and God needs us in the game for the long haul. God didn't show up in Moses' life simply to assure Moses of his presence. No, God showed up and called Moses to a future which was bigger and bolder than he could have ever imagined. God took a man burdened by the knowledge of his people's slavery and suffering and called him in dramatic Old Testament style to something extraordinary. Wherever you are on this journey, burned out by the fire, just venturing up that mountain, or full-fledged in the midst of it all, know that you are not alone. God's love for you and for this world precedes anything you might do or say or think or proclaim. So God is with you, yes, yes, and you stand in a long line of passionate people, fire keepers, bearers of God's love and justice and mercy. So stand proudly, rest confidently, and then rise again to continue God's good work of reconciliation and renewal for all of creation.
May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and ever gracious God, like Moses, you set before us countless choices. And like Moses, a decision is expected. The bush burns in front of us. It speaks to us. It sears away all that is false and pretentious, leaving behind truth. The voice of God calls out, inviting us to take on tasks well beyond our scope. The lure of God calls us into a deeper imagination. And then God provides a courage of unimagined strength. We give you thanks, Almighty God, for your confidence in us to do your will with our hands and hearts. Bless all here today, especially our colleagues who have traveled across the country to attend their campus pastor conference. And we add to our prayers CLU student Sean Shokari, having surgery today, the results of a motorcycle accident, that you be with the surgeons and aid his recovery. We pray for the open wound we name in Charleston, South Carolina, and those connected to Mother Emanuel Church as they trudge through unimagined grief, ministry cut short, and hurt where words cannot provide salve. Be with them in their journey. Be with us all as we seek to support and care for this community, for all those working tirelessly for racial equality. In your name we pray. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.